Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, folks. I would like to introduce myself. My name is Payal, and I am a traveler who also loves to meet people. And I think a blend of both is where this concept of melting pot has come about. In my Melting Pot series, I will be talking to lots of inspiring people from different parts of the world and also from different cultures, whom I meet during all my travels. The common factor between these folks will be the desire to follow their passion and make it a way of life. So step into this melting pot and enjoy the chats. Welcome listeners to another episode which is really, really exciting all the way from Washington DC. And of course, this is a melting pot. Today I'm in conversation with Omar Masrur, founder of Bistro Aracosia. Did I get the name right? Yes, you did. Uh, Serving authentic Afghan cuisine. It's tucked away in a residential area in DC. The location may be residential, but it sure is busy. And I think what I like about it is the warmth, the casual decor, the amazing service, and the food, which is absolutely unbelievable with all the delicate flavors. Thank you. Omar, hi. How are we doing? Um, I'm so doing good, thank you. I'm really excited to get my listeners to understand more about the Afghani culture and food, which I know is so rich and so beautiful, unlike, unfortunately, what gets covered by the media. Right. Um, as always, before we talk about the culture and the food, and that's what I do with all my, my guests, okay. I love to hear um, their journey. Okay. And so in your case, it's um, your journey from Afghanistan to America. When did you get here and, um, and how? And also, from what I have read, you, you, know, you were a car salesman mm-hmm. and then you're now the founder of this absolutely amazing bistro. Thank so, you. <laughs> um, so let's hear it from you. Okay. All right. Well, um, when we left Afghanistan in 1979, mm-hmm. it was just before the whole Soviet invasion. The country had already fallen into the hands of the communists. And my family was, they were definitely not pro-communist, so we needed to leave. Okay. We needed to leave. It was a little bit of a dangerous uh, situation that we were in. So we got as asylum, as political refugees, and to Germany. From 1979, my mother, myself, and my brother. So how old were you then? I was four years old. Okay. And was, your brother was? My brother was... He, he was around nine. Nine. Nine okay. years old. Okay. Nine or ten years old. So, when we left uh, 
Afghanistan and came to Germany and we went literally overnight from being a hero to being zero. Everything was taken from us. Mm -hmm. The communists didn't allow the lands and they took everything from us and you know for us it was completely going into a foreign land from something that we were very comfortable with in our lifestyle. lifestyle we had a beautiful lifestyle in Afghanistan right. and going from from that lifestyle to a lifestyle of being dependent on other people to to get us to survive basically. Right. So for me I didn't notice it that much. I was young. I didn't know the whole story of the family, what was going on. I was just in my own world. Mm -hmm. But now looking back in hindsight, just picturing my mother, the poor lady, what she went through. Um, you know, growing up in a household full of, you know, cooks and drivers and bodyguards and, you know, being almost like a princess, brought up right. like a princess. Right. And now coming into a point where all of that is stripped away completely and you're in a situation where you have nothing you have nothing and you're on you know you're getting assistance from a foreign government just to be able to eat to survive to survive yeah yeah you know at that moment while it was happening yeah I didn't realize it I didn't know I was too young but now you know I have you know, some of the knowledge some of the stories and all I can just think of is how did this woman do this how did she do it and so she like you said she came on her own and then your dad came a few days a few years a later. few years later yeah. we were in Germany uh, from 1979 until 1982 until we got word that my father will be eventually coming out from there as well too and coming into America and that's I think when we started uh, working our paperwork and what have you and so forth to become refugees right. into the United States right. and we were sponsored by a church wonderful church here in Maryland I mean the people were just absolutely wonderful right. they took us in I didn't even realize what we were going through yeah because you were too young I was way yeah. too young yeah. for me to realize for me it was more of like wow we're in a different country we're having fun and this and that yeah again I can't stress this more today looking back in hindsight yeah more importantly was what they were going through yeah. my parents yeah yeah because um, also they were separated they were separated you know, and I and, and I had to be honest with you at a, such a young age being separated from my father at four years old yeah and then seeing him back again at seven years old yeah I you had to I, start to I had know to him all over all again. over yeah. again right yeah. he was yeah. kind of like faded away from yeah. my um, yeah from my memory I mean, that's natural it, it yes but it's it's sad right yeah yeah but I do remember that day at the airport uh, when my mother and my father saw so reunited. Yeah. It was yeah. a wonderful day. Yeah. And then slowly, slowly, my memory started coming back right. of, of realizing what's going on. But even with that, when we came to the States, um, you know, in 1982, we came here. We were sponsored by a church in Kensington, Maryland. Wonderful people. Not one day did we have to question their motives and their intentions, these, uh, what they so did for So were you us. the only family or were there other families as well? We, with these people, we were the only family. Okay. We were the only family that they were helping. Now, I don't know if they were helping other Others, families, yeah, yeah. but at that time it was just us. We had three or four families that were just paying attention to these three people. I mean, right. four people, my right. father, my mother, and my brother and myself. Right. And we saw nothing but love and kindness, mm. you know? We've heard of stories of people going to our neighboring countries as refugees, you know, uh, being intense and, you know, food coming to them, you know, being three times a week, camps, camps and then, camps, yeah. you know, yeah. children lining up for just bread and yeah. bags of rice with 
you know, flies and, you know, illnesses, illnesses yeah. and, yeah. you know, yeah. stuff, the, the, the smells and what have you and so forth. Yeah. Not one day did we experience anything like that. Okay. Not one day did we have to wait online for anything. Not one day. So the way that it was done in this country, yeah. with the way they took us in, it was at the highest level of how to take a refugee in. Right. Uh, right. Our honor was intact. Our integrity was intact. Yeah. You know, not one day did someone say, hey, you know what, you're, you're a second class citizen or a third. Everyone, now I'm looking back at it and I'm just picturing yeah. those uh, elder ladies and the gentlemen that would just come with this beautiful compassion, yeah. you know, just checking in on us. Yeah. How is everything, this yeah. and that. Yeah. You know, we're, you know, our culture, to be honest with you, you know, we're not used to that. <laughs> Do you know? We're, yeah. we're not used to that. I mean, thank God we didn't experience anything uh, severe, but I have a little bit of, not a little bit, a ton of empathy and compassion now for the ones that didn't, even though for us we went from zero, from hero to zero overnight, Yeah. but there were, we didn't experience any of the suffering that some of the other refugees that went through. Yeah, which is, I mean, you should be grateful. Absolutely and, yeah, grateful. Yeah. Absolutely yeah, grateful. Amazing. Yeah. And on top of that, sometimes, you know, I mean, this is this is home here right now. Yeah. For yeah. me, I'm a firm believer that home is wherever family's at. Absolutely. Yeah. And for me, I can I don't I don't I can't see myself living in the consciousness of that country that I come from and what have you. Yeah. But over here, one thing I do realize is that from since 1982 until today, which yeah. is going to give you close to 37, 38 years or yeah. something like this. Yeah. Not one day did we feel unwelcome in this country. Not one day did we feel not being accepted or not being it's tolerated. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. So some of the yeah. things that some of these people say today, I don't know. I don't yeah. understand it. Yeah. I really don't understand it. Now, is it because we were coming, because we were in a different consciousness and we were a little bit more open-minded and liberal, we didn't get involved in people's business, this is right, this is wrong, why are you doing this or why are yeah. you not doing this? Yeah. Yeah. We were just okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was because of that. Yeah. I don't know what the consciousness today is going. I know that we've opened up this restaurant and we do have, it's unfortunate to say this, it's very, very unfortunate to say this, that we do have people that are coming in that's from, from uh, you know, the same culture that I'm from mm -hmm. and the same religion that I'm from, yet they, they refuse to eat at our restaurant. So is it jealousy? You're listening to a fusion of stories recounted for the first time ever by some fascinating people from across the globe with me, Pyle, on this very unique and special podcast series, Melting Pot. Uh, I don't know what it yeah. is. I yeah. think it's more uh, this extremism hmm. because we have this beautiful full bar, bar yeah. and, uh, you know, beautiful wine list and you know for us you know for me growing up in Afghanistan in the 70s and the, the mentality was completely different not one day did we hear that this person shouldn't drink or this person shouldn't do this or this person shouldn't do this everyone was yeah. so open-minded yes yeah. yes yeah, yes yes dramatically. Yeah. yeah yes so you know for us we didn't but there was not much resistance to the culture over here. We embraced it. As soon as we came in here, we accepted yeah. it. We were very grateful for it. We yeah. were looking uh, on how great this yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and embracing it, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah. But today, I'm trying to picture 
you know, the people that are coming in today, I just feel that, you know, when we left Afghanistan in 79, when we, we left it at a time when it was somewhat of a tolerant and... That's what I was going to say. Maybe the conditions um, mm -hmm. are different today as compared to 79 when you left. You right. Because right. things were just starting to build up, right? Exactly. And now probably the conditions are so deplorable and people are desperate uh, yes so maybe that's the reason why you know there is a different mindset now there yes it's, most it's likely possible. I mean it's, that's just I'm, my way of I believe it. I believe that that's exactly what it is yeah I mean you I didn't grow up in war yeah you know I just yeah. got the glimpse of it in the beginning yeah of what it was yeah as four-year-old yeah. I grew up in acceptance tolerance and love here in America yeah yeah okay so, so that's the life you know when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's the life is, I know. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. But I'm trying to have some empathy yeah. for the people that don't know that life. Yeah. I mean, the difference between me and someone that's coming today is that that poor child, yeah. whether it be my age as he was born, he yeah. ended up staying there. Yeah. He saw suffering. Yeah. He possibly saw his loved one die in front of him. He yeah. possibly saw... God forbid this happening to anybody. Yeah. You know, his sister or a child or something being raped in front of him and yeah. being, you know, uh, killed in front of him. Yeah. Or yeah. some sort of injustice happening. It's almost yeah. impossible to be living in that country for 40 years of war and for you to not experience something that's going to have an effect on you. Yeah. That's going to have an, some sort of an impact on you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And, yeah. In my opinion, every single one of those people, they have PTSD or some sort of a. Uh, problem disorder, yeah. that yeah. Uh, that doesn't allow them to yeah. uh, to become who they're supposed to become. Yeah, and we see it. We see it here all day long. You know, we see them coming in. Some of the uh, people that are coming in nowadays as refugees, they come into the restaurant. You can sense that they're relieved. Hmm. Yet you can also sense that they're uncomfortable hmm. with what they're doing. Hmm. Uh, in a way that they've been conditioned so heavily that you have, I mean, literally, I had a lady that came into the restaurant and asked for a plastic cup uh, and a straw. And we said, why? Right. And I said, because in your restaurant, someone could have had a glass of wine in that cup and someone's lips could have touched the, what do you call, and oh they, could have be, they, they could be one of the infidels or a coffeeer, they call them. Yeah. And I'm like, are you serious? Yes. So these are small little red flags yeah. for me, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and 
I'm thinking that, okay, if you got one person thinking like this, and another person thinking like this, and another person thinking like this, that this is the consciousness that they're coming with. Yeah. And how do you change that? Yeah. How do you make them realize that, listen, that consciousness is useless yeah. in this society. Yeah. There's a reason why you're here. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So that you can let go of that, in yeah. my opinion, garbage. Yeah. Okay? You don't need it anymore. Yeah. You don't need to have your defenses up anymore. Yeah. No one is fighting with you over here. Yeah. No one is against you. It's right. A, yeah. yeah. You don't need to have your defenses up. You need yeah. to just be okay with what's going on in your own life. Yeah. Period. Yeah. You know? This is the true Islam. Yeah. That you wish to live in. Yeah. You're You're finally here. Yeah. Now take advantage of it. Yeah. Take yeah. advantage of it. Some, yeah. You must have done something right that you're here now. Yeah. That you're not going through that suffering. Yeah. So accept the change that's in your life. Don't resist it. Yeah. And that's the thing that I'm seeing so much. Uh, all I see all day long uh, with that mentality is nothing but a bunch of resistance mm. to what life is throwing at them. Mm. Instead of them bathing in acceptance yeah. and love and in the and tolerance and it. all the yeah. things that they prayed to have. Yeah. The peace, the love, the acceptance, and, and everything has been handed to them in a silver platter. Yeah. Instead, what are they doing? They're not realizing it. And they're coming and trying to bring, bring that suffering their, that yeah. they went through yeah. on so everyone else. Negativity, yeah. Right. Which is what we were talking about earlier as well. Exactly. Before we started the interview. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Tell me um, about the Afghan culture. Wow. What is, um, you know, because even though I haven't been to Afghanistan, right. but there is something about um, the culture which I'm sure, you know, is very vibrant and, and, and special, you mm -hmm. know? So, so also with the culture, how important is food in the Afghan wow. culture, you that's, know? That's so I think, yeah, I'd, so I mean, it would be interesting for the listeners also. So as far as the culture goes, I think... I don't know. I, I, I feel that the culture has errors to it. Uh, at the time, you know, they, they speak of the 40 year of the golden era of Afghanistan. The culture was completely different there at the right. time of the kingdom. There was freedom, there was love, there was acceptance, there was nightclubs, there was movie theaters, there was people, you know, men and women walking on the streets holding hands. The culture was a culture of progression and, right. and understanding that hey so are you saying that there was a western influence or i'm not even sure if it was a western influence i it was a way of being i or, think yeah. it was just a way of being people right. just wanted to do that now whether right. they went to the west a few families went to the west and came back and started pushing that i don't know right however i do know that the country was never ever at the state that it's in now Usually, when time goes by, people progress, yeah. people become open-minded, people go into a different uh, direction, you, yeah. know, uh, yeah. you know, completely everything changes. In this case scenario, the culture has taken a different, uh, a different angle, in my opinion, because mm. the culture that, that's in my house right now, if you come, right. is going to be different from the culture that if you go to some other Afghan's home that came maybe recently right. as a refugee right right so for you you can almost get an idea an understanding of cultures depending on whose house you're going to and mm. at what era what the culture was like mm. almost i mean if you yeah. come to my yeah. house you're yeah. gonna see you know my wife there is yeah. no 
hijab. Uh, there is no hijab. Yeah. My daughters yeah. are very liberal. I yeah. want them to be like that, yeah. open-minded, to for them to speak for themselves, for them. I try not to impose anything on them. I try to let them live a free life. I have an understanding right. that a human being is a human being. You have right. desires, you have biological things yeah. that every yeah. single human being has. This yeah. is nothing taboo. And yeah. one needs to understand that to allow freedom to happen. So yeah. I don't question them about anything that they do. Right. Um, they're good people. How many daughters do you have? I have three daughters and two sons. Wow. So yes. Big, I mean, from you said you have a brother and a younger sister, mm -hmm, right? So mm -hmm. you decided to kind of expand the family even more. Expansion of the family, <laughs> yes. I mean, for for me, you know, my my first daughter uh, that was born, you know, even though it's part of the culture, I guess, you know, that in our culture they always want that boy. Hmm. You know, and it's a sad so, thing. Yeah. I mean, at that, you know, I was maybe twenty. What? How old was I when I had Taliha? Maybe twenty-three years old. So you, you know. So a couple people came and talked, hey, listen, you know, uh, you got to have another child. They didn't tell right. me. I didn't right. know at that time why they want me to have another child. Right. So I said, <laughs> okay, no problem on my end. <laughs> I can Happy do that for oblige. you. Happy to oblige. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. So, and then my second daughter was born, Iman. You know, Taliha was born, then Iman was born. And right. then my uncle came and said, listen, you got to, you need to bring a son. Right. You know, your name, your, you know, in our culture, it's, the father's lineage that they mm. follow. Mm. So it didn't make sense to me. I said, okay, not a problem. You know, I, you know, the children are great. So we had another, and then I had another daughter. And then after my third daughter, you know, the family got a little concerned there for a minute. Well, what is wrong with you? They started coming up with techniques as far as like, wait till the moon is like this and wait till the sun is like this, then jump in there. And I'm like, okay. So luckily, luckily, it, got, it came to a point where my wife was pregnant again and there was so much pressure on me to have this son that I would actually, I wasn't even into religion at that time. I didn't even understand too much the concept of religion, but right. I, you know, just following family culture and right. thinking right. of religion as a holy thing at that point. I, didn't, right. I started reading the Quran, you know, the book, uh, the, the, the Islamic book, the scriptures, and I came across the story of... Uh, of uh, John the Baptist, right? And I was just looking for names, and I came the story across Zachariah, Zechariah, where he wanted to have, you know, a son, and he would pray to God, he would pray to God to um, uh, give me a son, and and then the angel comes to him and says, "Listen, uh, get ready, you're you're gonna have a child, but uh, and he's gonna be son, and you're gonna name him." Uh, Yahya, which is John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. So I said I, so at that moment, I, I'll, remember, I'll never forget that. I'm like, okay, God, if you give me a son, I don't like the name Yahya that much. I'm not too, I have a few family members named that. Uh, but uh, I'll name him Zachary. Right. And then sure enough, uh, the you first son, son came in, and, yeah. and his name was Zikriya, which means, uh, in our language, which means remembrance of God. Okay. That's what it means. Okay. Uh, and, that's and that's it. And then yeah. after that, I had my second son. So yeah. everything is good to go now. That's, <laughs> that's great. All right. We it's got the covered. lineage in check now for <laughs> you. Covered, yes, yeah. yes, it's all covered. So, um, again, coming back to food, how important is food in, let's say, generally in uh -huh. the Afghan culture? Because I know you've given me differences of what era, but right. um, in general, how important is food in the culture? So in general, food is very important, uh, in my opinion, because if you look at our cuisine, yeah. you're going to see, you're going to taste pretty much everything in there. 
Right. You'll get a little taste of India, like I was saying. You'll get a little taste of China in there, a little Turkish, a little Russian, a little Persian. I mean, you know, Afghanistan is like right there at the center yeah. of all the routes. So there's a lot of influence. Uh, a lot of yeah. influence. Yeah. A lot of influence. Yeah. yeah. So with uh, Afghan uh, food, you know, your, your basic dishes, uh, you know, is a lot of rice, a lot of stews, we eat mm -hmm. a lot of veal, right. a lot of lamb, not too much beef. Right. We don't eat that much beef, right. but we do eat a lot of veal and a lot of lamb. And it is a landlocked country, so seafood is not that big of a the issue over there I mean right. we'll have fish it's not easily available it's not easily available and they you know we just pretty much the Afghan diet uh, their seafood is just gonna be fish it's okay. not like we'll eat crab legs or shrimp or uh, you know some families here and there will back in the days they would have access to stuff like that you know shrimp and and they'd eat it but we don't understand seafood like mm. the way uh, it should be mm. So it's so, which is why the focus is more on meat on meat and vegetables, vegetables. yes yeah, yeah, yeah and you know for us we we really don't even have like I mean I don't know unless somebody can help me with this but you know we don't even have names for fish I mean oh. fish is fish okay so, so it's if you like it's a river fish or a, the, no. or or it's a salmon or it's a so you don't really no know. we okay. don't i mean that's how what do you call seafood yeah. how little what do you yeah. call it is so yeah. we yeah. will we'll say that it's like some sort of a sweet fish or a flaky fish but as far as names of like trout or salmon or you know bass or what have you we're not there yet okay we're not there yet so, and, yeah yeah okay Stay tuned for part two of Omar's chat with me. Today, we're still practicing this. We have two different types of food. One is called the garm foods and one is called the sarit foods. Until then, this is Pyle signing off.